Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by, and welcome to the AMIA Inc. Fourth Quarter 2020 Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Tom Tran, Head of Investor Relations. Thank you. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, Chris, and welcome everyone to this morning's call. Today's presentation is available on CDAR and the company's website. Before we get underway, I would like to remind everyone to review our forward-looking statement and the cautions and risk factors pertaining to the statement. With me on the call today are speakers Phil Middleman, AMIA CEO, Michael Lehman, our President, and Steve Leonard, our CFO. Phil will begin with our strategic highlights, followed by Michael, who will cover the performance of our investments before handing the call over to Steve to take you through the results of the quarter. We will have time for your questions at the end. With that, let me hand it over to Phil. Thanks, Tom, and good morning to everyone on the phone and webcast today. I'm excited to share the significant progress that we've made at AMIA in a very short period of time. Under the leadership of a reconstituted board and a new management team, which was established less than a year ago, we delivered against what we set out to achieve, to transform AMIA into a lean, nimble, opportunistic holding company poised to create value for AMIA stakeholders for many years to come. We announced a new strategy as a holding company to provide a broader and more balanced mandate, enabling greater flexibility for AMIA to capitalize on the best possible investment opportunities globally. To help execute our new corporate strategy, we acquired Middleman Investment Management, and we further enhanced the executive team with the addition of Michael Lehman, former former partner at Third Avenue Management, as president of the company. We rapidly cut costs and right-sized the corporate expenses with a leaner team and targeted an annual cash operating expense rate of $12 million, and we remain on track to achieve this target. Excluding severance, our holding company corporate cash flow was neutral in 2020. We combined our operating loyalty subsidiaries into Cognitive, concurrent with an investment by Cognitive shareholders and board members, as well as an investment by AMIA, and retained a significant stake in an exciting technology company with substantial potential upside, while at the same time limiting future risk to the Holdco. This transaction is structured similarly to our highly successful investment in Cardlytics, where AMIA contributed certain IP, operating expertise, and board presence, along with funding, into a tech-forward company, which was subsequently brought public in an IPO. We believe Cognitive has a potential for a monetization event that would provide a similar positive outcome. Subsequent to quarter end, Cognitive made some exciting corporate announcements that we will touch on later. At Aeromexico, we signed an enhanced shareholder agreement with a buyout option of PLM and extended the CPSA between Aeromexico and PLM to 2050, which incorporated numerous modifications that strengthened the loyalty program. These amended agreements are being honored during the bankruptcy process, and we expect it to be formally assumed by Aeromexico. We also made a significant investment in Clear Media, one of the largest outdoor advertising firms in China, purchased at a very attractive valuation at an opportunistic time, participating alongside a blue-chip consortium of growth-oriented investors. Recently, Clear Media added a non-executive director from industry industry leader JC Deco to its board, 
who is also a member of the Investor Consortium, comprised of Clear Media's current CEO, Jack Ma's Ant Group, and the China Wealth Growth Fund. Collectively, the consortium owns a combined total of 88.2% of Clear Media's outstanding shares, with Amy's stake at 10.85%. We generated $13 million in realized gains from opportunistic investments and committed an initial $6.4 million to a special purpose vehicle created to pursue a leveraged buyout of a target company with the option to increase our ownership to 25% of the target if the LBO is consummated. We received $67 million previously held in a restricted cash account established at the time of the airplane sale, and we are attempting to recover an additional $33 million deposit related to a tax assessment when we held the airplane business. Last and by no means least, we repurchased 4.4 million shares under the company's latest NCIB at an average cost of 331 after fees, a significant discount to the current market price. Over the past two years, we have repurchased more than 40% of our outstanding shares. In addition, Management and directors have personally bought more than 1.4 million shares in the open market during a tumultuous year, demonstrating our unwavering confidence in Amy's value and future prospects. Overall, 2020 was a great year, and we entered 2021 with strong momentum. For 2021, our goal is to remain cash flow neutral at the Holco, with cash operating expenses, preferred dividends, and taxes covered by the resumption of PLM dividends and other investment activities. Our strategic vision is to continue to build a portfolio of investments that can deliver sustainable value for stakeholders, uniquely accessible to investors through AMIA's stock. As a permanent capital vehicle that can invest for an indefinite period, we take a private equity approach to investing, employing an active owner's mentality to growing our investments and a unique ability to hold investments for long durations of time, allowing for the greatest value to be realized with maximum tax efficiency. The company's capital allocation priorities are to deploy its cash towards investment that we expect will earn an annual IRR greater than 15% by seeking long-term investments in public and private companies on a global basis through controlling and minority stakes. We target companies that exhibit durable economic advantages evidenced by a well-established track record of substantial free cash flow generation over complete business cycles guided by strong, experienced management teams with a focus on assets that can generate additional cash flow and distributions to upstream to the holding company. Ideally, these investments will utilize the company's over $700 million in operating and capital tax losses to further enhance stakeholder value. Any potential investment will be structured as a ring-fenced, standalone entity that is not financially entangled with AMIA's Hold Co. and will not expose the parent company to any risk other than its initial investment. If we deem it necessary to use leverage for an investment, it will only be incurred at the subsidiary level. We remain patient and disciplined in identifying and capitalizing on the best investment opportunities we can find globally. Finally, let me spend a moment to discuss two recent announcements. Through the close, close relationship we have developed with AirAsia, we saw a unique opportunity to create value for AMIA stakeholders. AMIA entered into a binding memorandum of understanding with AirAsia to sell its 20% equity stake in AirAsia's loyalty company, Big Life, for a transaction value of approximately $31 million Canadian dollars to be satisfied by 85.86 million new publicly traded ordinary shares of AirAsia, currently representing a gain of approximately $13 million based on a carrying value of Big Life of $16.4 million at the end of 2020 and at current AirAsia share pricing. We also participate in a private placement, resulting in the acquisition of 35.61 million new shares at 0.865 Malaysian ringgit. Upon completion of the Big Life transaction, which is subject to AirAsia shareholder approval, AMIA will own a total of 121.47 million new shares in AirAsia 
per, for an approximate 3.1 equity stake in the 3.1% equity stake in the airline, representing a value of approximately 41 million as of yesterday's closing price. By exchanging our minority position in Big Life for publicly traded stock in AirAsia, we will enhance the value of Big Life by allowing AirAsia to acquire full ownership and reap the strategic benefits from the many opportunities it affords the airline. At the same time, Amy has provided liquidity while participating in what we believe will be significant upside in AirAsia's equity. We fully support the airline's efforts to strengthen its financial position and pursue its digital transformation, and we believe that AirAsia will emerge from the pandemic as a stronger airline, uniquely positioned to capitalize on the sizable pent-up demand we believe exists for low-cost travel across Southeast Asia. The signs of air travel picking up again, including the TSA in March of this year recording its highly daily passenger screenings of over 1.5 million, we believe it is an opportune time to make this investment in AirAsia. As pandemic conditions ease from the global rollout of vaccinations and a rebound in air travel ensues from pent-up demand, airlines that have survived the pandemic and have emerged, have emerged with leaner operations and healthier financial shape are likely, to, likely poised to recover and thrive in a post-COVID-19 world. Moving on to the cognitive announcement. We are very pleased to see the strategic progress being made at Cognitive, including their recent personnel hires and their sales transaction and partnership agreement with IRI, a global leader in innovative solutions and services for consumer, retail, and media companies. IRI acquired the ISS business, a leading retail consumer insight provider that enables collaboration between retailers and suppliers from Cognitive for undisclosed terms. Through the partnership agreement, IRI and ISS will explore opportunities for IRI's retail clients to leverage Cognitive's unique platform as a service, to set, scale their partnerships, connect peer-to-peer, and deliver new value to consumers through hyper-personalized experiences within their ecosystem. This partnership with IRI validates Cognitive's unique collaborated, collaborative commerce technology platform and aligns the organization with a global leader in big data and predictive analytics. The sale of ISS also significantly strengthened Cognitive's liquidity position for future acquisitions and enables both organizations to co-invest in their partnership to build out their joint capabilities and deliver innovative solutions for existing and new clients. We are also excited about Cognitive's recently announced additions of a new president, Sean Pearson, and CFO, Julia Waymeyer, both of whom possess expertise in building commercial scale and high-performing teams, as well as capital market experience, positioning Cognitive for a successful future. And with that, let me turn the floor over to Mike to provide you some further updates on our investment portfolio. Mike? Great. Thanks, Phil, and good morning to everyone. We'll begin our discussion with PLM, where I'll be speaking to the operating performance in USD, which is PLM's functional currency. PLM's operating metrics continued to show healthy member engagement, which was up 4.5% over last year, to 7 million enrolled members in the fourth quarter. While gross billings were down 48% over last year to 37 million in the fourth quarter due to COVID-19, PLM continued to demonstrate signs of recovery with gross billings up 41% over last quarter, driven by higher accumulation volume by its airline and banking partners. Revenues were down 47% compared to last year's 35.8 million, but was up 32% over last quarter due to increased redemption volume. Adjusted EBITDA was 8.8 million in the quarter and included the impact of a one-time $1.7 million provision on unsecured receivables with the airline. It's important to note that absent the one-time provision, adjusted EBITDA would have been a positive $10.5 million in the quarter and a positive $45.2 million for the full year a testament to the resilience of the coalition business model in the face of the worst downturn the airline has ever experienced. 
further, free cash flow was a positive 17.9 million in the fourth quarter and a positive 18.7 million for the full year, excluding the $50 million prepayment of award tickets in Q2 2020. Subsequent to the year, subsequent to the end of the fourth quarter, PLM distributions resumed and AMIA received 7.9 million US or $9.8 million Canadian. Overall, PLM performed very well in 2020 despite a challenging operating environment and has continued to demonstrate signs of recovery. PLM is a highly successful loyalty program with a track record of profitability and cash generation, providing consistent and growing distributions to its shareholders, Aeromexico and AMIA. Moving on to cognitive. In the fourth quarter, revenues were 23.9 million and adjusted EBITDA was a loss of 9.5 million. The reduction in revenue over last quarter is mainly due to reduced loyalty services in Canada as a result of the expected gradual roll-off of previously lost clients. Lower revenue and higher one-time professional fees were the key drivers impacting the adjusted EBITDA performance in the fourth quarter relative to the prior quarter. Cognitive continues to be focused on transforming its business model to a reoccurring revenue platform-as-a-service model following the combination with AMIA Loyalty Solutions and the sale of ISS and is making good progress implementing its rigorous cost synergy program through 2021. Moving on to our investment in our investment management business. Revenue from investment management fees were 400,000 and a loss before income taxes was negative 700,000 or negative 100,000 excluding depreciation and amortization. Assets under management grew to 230.3 million in the fourth quarter of the year from 201.4 million, an improvement of 14.3% quarter on quarter due to strong relative and absolute performance from a rebound in its value-oriented investment strategy. And finally, moving on to Clear Media. Clear Media's financial results reported last week continue to demonstrate signs of recovery. Total revenue bottomed in March 2020 and the recovery in revenue continued in the third and fourth quarter of the year. Total revenue in the fourth quarter of 2020 slightly exceeded the level of the same period from the prior year. And the forecast for 2021 is for total revenue to be materially higher than 2020. We expect the management team to execute on its growth-oriented plan to digitize the commercial panels with the goal of attracting new advertising revenue streams. China's economy has continued to recover, and major operators in the region, such as J.C. Deco, are seeing signs of strong recovery in the Chinese domestic advertising business, with revenues almost back to pre-COVID levels. And with that, let me turn it over to Steve to take you through the financial results. Steve? Thanks, Michael. Let's begin by covering the consolidated results before we move to the segment performance and cash movements in the quarter. In the fourth quarter, Total income was 10.2 million, mostly driven by a 5.0 million tax shelter gain from tendering into the improved takeover bid for Village Roadshow, as well as a 3.1 million share of net earnings from our equity accounting investments. Reported expenses were 5.9 million, down 20% compared to last year, due to the actions to reduce holding the holding company cost structure. Moving on to the holding segment. Total income was 9.8 million, down from 19 million in the same quarter last year, mostly due to a lower share of net earnings of account of equity accounted investments. 
Total expenses were $4.8 million in the fourth quarter of 20, down 35% from $7.4 million in the same quarter last year, driven mostly by reduced technology spend and other office expenses benefiting from $1.5 million in technology and rent credits. Lower severance and stock-based compensation and other compensation awards also reduced expenses in the fourth quarter. Within total expenses, corporate operating expenses, which includes compensation and benefits, professional advisory and service fees, and technology and other office expenses, were $4.3 million in the quarter, down 72% from $15.3 million in the same period last year. For the full year, these expenses were $20.6 million, a substantial reduction from $45.9 million in 2019. Excluding share-based compensation and other performance awards, corporate cash operating operating costs were $2.5 million in the quarter and $18.4 million for the full year, demonstrating our progress towards achieving a cash operating expense run rate target of $12 million per year. Moving on to covered cash movements for the quarter, we ended the fourth quarter with a total cash balance of $146 million, down $26 million from $172 million last quarter. The main movements in cash this quarter compared to last quarter were an investment in J.C. Deco for $10.5 million, as well as $4.7 million investment in various public company securities, an initial funding of $3.3 million in a special purpose vehicle. We repurchased 1.4 million common shares for cash consideration of 5.6 million under the NCIB during the fourth quarter at an average price of $3.92 after fees per share. Corporate cash operating costs were reduced to 2.5 million and we paid preferred dividends of 3.2 million and income taxes of 1.3 million. These were offset by a 5.9 million gain from tendering our Village Roadshow stake in the improved bid. Subsequent to the end of the quarter, we also made a 9.4 million investment in the AirAsia private placement and additional purchases totaling 8.2 million in various, various public company securities. Furthermore, we made a 3.2 million payment towards the remaining portion of the initial funding for the special purpose vehicle. And lastly, we received $4.3 million in cash related to the cognitive closing working capital, taking our pro forma cash to approximately $130 million. Including our public securities portfolio, which had an approximate market value of $44 million as of yesterday's close, AMIA's pro forma cash plus liquid investments totaled $174 million. And with that, let me turn it now over now to Phil to wrap up with a few concluding remarks. Phil. Thanks, Steve. This is a very exciting time for AMIA. 2020 has been a transformative year, and we have been moving at a rapid pace to create stakeholder value. The significant progress made in executing on our new strategy and the many exciting developments in our various holdings demonstrate our unwavering confidence in AMIA's value and future prospects. 2021 is shaping up to be very promising and we remain focused on delivering lasting value for AMIA stakeholders. So with that, we will turn it over to your questions. Operator, please go ahead. Thank you. At this time, I would like to remind everyone, in order to ask a question, press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. 
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Your first question comes from Megan Annette of TD Securities. Your line is open. Thank you. Good morning. Um, where does Critter Media stand in its progress towards digitizing display panels? Um, how far along is that transformation? And can you provide a timeline for, for the progress? Um, and just out of curiosity, what are the differences in economics between digital and what those panels are replacing? Hi, Megan. Uh, thanks for the question. So we we um, don't have details because they haven't disclosed publicly the details on the on how quickly they're digitizing the panels, um, and they haven't publicly released kind of the uh, their their version of the the economics of of those digital panels. But I can tell you that the the business plan they've stated is to accelerate the progress of of, of that digitization process. I think you know one of the big differences between the quote unquote new clear media and the old clear media is that. Um, the old clear media had a controlling shareholder that was drawing out all of the cash for dividends because it, it, it had a leverage problem. Uh, the new clear media is focusing, investing that capital on on that digitization process. So I think that we would it would be fair to say that I think they would be doing that as fast as they can. Um, we don't have any any publicly uh, released data yet on how quickly that's going, but um, we can assume that it's going as quickly as as they can they can. In terms of the economics, the economics of them are are are, are very exciting. I think the, the numbers we've seen are that these these uh, digitized billboards get about three times the revenue of a, a normal billboard. So you can imagine that the you know while the capex up front is is expensive to get them converted, um, the subsequent ROI is significant and rapid, and uh, it should result in transforming Clear Media into a much more exciting uh, kind of growth company versus uh, what it used to be, which is kind of like the old media um, outdoor advertising model. Um, Megan, uh, this is Mike Lehman. Additionally, um, you know, if you if you look at Clear Media, Clear Media is, you know, they're in they're in 24 cities throughout throughout China. Uh, they've increased their outdoor displays year over year, 57,000 to 59,000. So they continue to grow. Um, and, and if you if you just extrapolate the the uh, the growth in digitization from JC to Co um, within their street furniture um, uh, division, um, digitization revenues have been up something between three and four times um, in terms of percentage of overall revenue from street furniture over the past four or five years. Um, so, so digitization um, isn't isn't rapid, meaning flip of a switch. It's a it's a it's a slow um, slow increase. Um, what what we can say is because of 2020 uh, and the and the reduction of um, of revenue from from average panels because of COVID and the reduced capex uh, spent during 2020. Uh, the likelihood of the the digitization it probably took a, a little bit of a slowdown during 2020, uh, but we expect that to substantially increase in 
in uh, in 21, 22, and 23 as as uh, as foot traffic uh, around street furniture um, rebounds. Um, the the expectation is that that the uh, foot traffic and car traffic are going to re uh, rebound much more quickly um, than than other traffic, um, particularly around around uh, around airline travel. So so we're expecting that that as the as the prices per panel um, increase and the foot traffic increases, so will the cash flow, and and that'll flow through to uh, the uh, the building out of, of the digital platform. Okay, that's great. Thank you very much. And um, secondly, following the upfront payment of about $10 million in Q121 from PLM, uh, how should we think about additional distributions throughout uh, throughout the year? Yeah, but I, I don't think uh, – we're not going to give projections on, on uh, dividends for 2021, and I, I wouldn't um, try to extrapolate, you know, um, just a run rate quarter over quarter because they can be lumpy. But I think that it's safe to say that we expect the business to continue to improve. I think obviously the um, the company exhibits a very strong performance, um, improving performance, and we're confident that we will see um, uh, significant dividends this year and you know heading towards getting in line with previous years. Um, but we can't give specific guidance, and you know, it's both hard to predict and also somewhat lumpy. But but we're very excited about what we see. Okay, and just lastly, um, any further update on the potential to exercise your option to increase your stake um, in a special purpose vehicle? Uh, we see you took some steps post-quarter end, uh, but believe there's more potential there. So uh, has your outlook changed at all on that front? No, our outlook has not changed. Um, the special purpose vehicle has continued to acquire shares in the target, and um, we'll give you an update um, when we can, but our, our, our plans have not changed there. Thank you very much. Thank you. Akeem, if you would like to ask a question, press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from Drew McReynolds of RBC. Your line is open. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, good morning. Um, I guess, uh, Phil, on the, um, on the uh, PLM update, uh, you alluded to the Air Mexico bankruptcy process and uh, Still to formalize, uh, you know, the agreements with PLM, et cetera. Is, is there a timeline or time frame for, for that to happen? And then, secondly, in the cognitive, uh, generally at a high level for 2021, what kind of milestones does Amia, you know, want to see with with this particular asset here in, in, in 2021? Thank you. Sure. Sure. Hi, Drew. Thanks. Thanks for the questions. So, with PLM, you know, I've said it many times, and it's it's um, I'll say it again, you know, the bankruptcy process is, you know, it always kind of takes twists and turns you don't really expect. I would say that, that at a macro level, I'll say we, we are seeing our contract uh, adhered to, to the, to the, to the penny. Um, you know, it's, it, there's no financial difference to us, whether it's been formally assumed or they're honoring it the way they've been honoring it. So, you know, as you're seeing, you're seeing a resumption of, of dividends paid as well. So, so as far as the as far as the process goes, um, you know, it's not. Uh, there's no material difference to us on on the actual moment that is assumed. However, I will say that the delays in in the assumption of this contract have been um, 
the result of, of us making decisions that are to the benefit or our belief they're to the benefit of AMIA stakeholders. So we're, 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 we're you know, making decisions as they go, and, and the decisions are all to, to benefit our stakeholders. And uh, when it's assumed or, or um, if it's automatically assumed on the exit from bankruptcy, whatever that is, we will, um, you know, it remains being fully honored. And um, we'll, we'll keep you posted, but that's really all I can say at this moment. With um, with regard to cognitive, I think you know cognitive. I'll say a few things. First of all, cognitive is is it's rare in that you don't see a lot of times you don't see a tech company that's actually the only one out there doing something. And in cognitive's in cognitive's case, I do not see another company in the tech world doing what they're doing, and that's very rare and exciting. Um, and while we're not giving guidance, I know what you're asking for is kind of what we're looking for, and I think what we're looking for, we're seeing, and that is that we're seeing a significant shift from managed services revenue to subscription pass model revenue. I would say that, you know, I'll give you um, the one little bit of guidance I'll give you is I'll say that that uh, the uh, managed services revenue when we when we initiated this this merger was in the 30% range. That number is heading to you know more like 80 90% range. Um, so we're seeing a very positive shift in much higher revenues and much higher quality revenues. I think when when you look at what this merger was, it started off with you know when these when these entities were merged into Cognitive, they had some roll off revenue. They had some clients that were already scheduled to roll off, so they they had that and then. They had to, you know, shift to this new, new, new model, this this subscription pass model that that Cognitive offers, and we're seeing now, um, you know, clients uh, extending contracts, new clients coming in. We're seeing a uh, increase in the pipeline, and then, you know, what you're seeing is something that I think is probably the most important thing, which is IRI. You know, IRI is an industry leader in the space. And a lot of people have said like, well, you know, is cognitive like a black box? Is, is what they do real? You know, what do they do? And, and and I think what you've seen with IRI is an industry leader come in, scrub the business, um, make a significant acquisition in the business, but most importantly, create a joint venture with that business. And what they're saying is, we believe that cognitive product and platform is something that we can sell to our large customer base. And that, that should tell you volumes about what they have and whether it's real or not and whether it's saleable or not and what the market thinks of it because IRI is is uh, is a, is a uh, very smart group of people and they have a very smart and large diverse group of clients and they're going to be now selling Cognitive uh, product into their uh, customer base. So we're seeing all the things we want to see um, and we're very excited about what we see. We see them attracting key new pieces of talent. I mean, the people that they're hiring know tech. And if you look at Sean's resume as well, particularly he's, you know, he, he knows the business. These people aren't signing on because they don't see a bright future there. They're, they're signing on because they think they found something that is going to be, you know, a significant leader in this space. So we're, we're, we're seeing, you know, all the, all the things we're looking for, we're seeing, and we're very excited about the future of Cogna. That's good. That's uh, good, Carlos. So thank you. Thank you. There are no further questions at this time. I will now return the call to Mr. Tran for closing remarks. Thank you, everyone, for joining today's call and webcast. If you have any questions, please reach out to Investor Relations. This concludes today's call. You may now hang up.
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.